stages, the sense of lament was so very, very strong. And I, I felt we needed just a moment to ponder that, to reflect on our world, the, the colors on the altar chosen to express solidarity with the people of Ukraine, as indeed we all do. But it also occurred to me that today in the calendar of the Eastern Church, the Orthodox uh, tradition of Christianity, today is Easter. And on this Easter day, the people who share that tradition of faith are deeply torn one from the other. I saw on the computer this morning that President Putin had attended Orthodox Easter Mass in Moscow at midnight last night. I have read, as you have, stories in the paper how those of Orthodox faith since the, since the, uh, are, are deeply divided over the war that we experience as a, as a country, as, as a world. It is a time of lament. And when the choir sang about how difficult it is to sing the Lord's song in a strange land, there are, of course, millions of Ukrainians who are asking that question today because they are no longer in the land that they love. But people are torn on, on both sides of, of this terrible conflict, and that is occasion for lament. In fact, there is, to a much lesser extent, the same kind of division among our United Methodist family because there are United Methodists in Russia and in Ukraine and in the other areas nearby. And there, perhaps yesterday, I forget, I didn't look up the date, a meeting of the Central Conference trying to decide if the United Methodists in Ukraine who have been united in the same conference with those in Russia can continue to be in the same organizational structure. It is a time of lament when brothers and sisters are torn apart. My hope was expressed later near the end of the words that Terry so beautifully chose for this work. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Because I was pondering the fact that our prayers for justice and our prayers for peace seem not to be able to both be fulfilled at the same time. We, shall pray, we should pray that righteousness, justice, and peace will kiss each other. And if you would please join me in a moment of prayer. Loving God, who has made this whole wonderful world, who has overseen the scriptures tell us in that beautiful story 
of how all those who spoke the language, same language were separated by language and have been divided ever since. We understand the divisions that come to us. We understand them all too well. What we seek is for a divine touch that even as Pentecost brought together those who, under, who, who spoke different languages to understand one another, that we whose hearts seem to be shaped differently would be brought together in peace to your glory and for the good of your children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now let us move to our season of the Christian year, the Sunday after Easter, as we hear the word of God as it comes to us from John, the 20th chapter, beginning with the 19th verse, and I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the Sunday after Easter, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What kind of church would you like to be part of? What kind of church do you think could change the world? What would you name if, if you were asked? Perhaps you'd find words like exciting, like warm fellowship, open arms, welcoming in. Of course, great music uh, would, would be on the list. If you were to name all of those things, you would have to admit that First Church Jerusalem, as we meet them in uh, John 19, does not fit the bill. The doors are locked. 
the people are huddled together. They don't much want anyone to come in and are hugely surprised when a figure appears in their midst, the resurrection body being a subject that we will never understand this side of experiencing it ourselves. They were afraid of what would come next. When I was a district superintendent, of course, part of my job was to visit churches. At least once a year in the charge conference, of course, there was an essential business to take care of. But usually I hoped that there would be a time of sharing as the people might tell me more about what was going on in their church. I'd say, tell me something good that's going on in your church. And most of the time it, it came forth very easily. People could say the things that they loved about their church. Most of the time. Then there were the others where the answers to my query came with great hesitation. And one that I think Jan and I remember singularly, and of course I'm not going to, uh, to name it, uh, we, the, 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 it was like pulling teeth, and I apologize to the dentists uh, um, among you uh, for using that figure. It, they just didn't want to say anything. Finally I said, you say you're having trouble getting people to join your church. What would make someone want to join your church? <laughs> Silence. Proverbial pin drops could not be heard, could, could have been heard. Like the church at Jerusalem at the beginning of this story. By the way, <laughs> in those conferences, usually, you, well, you, some of you don't know me, but I was, I'd try to rev it up a little bit. And I'd say, I'd come up with laughing, get them talking and so forth and so on. And sometimes it was just that whole look the whole time. And on the way home, Jan would say, you tried, you tried very hard. Just wasn't going to happen. Fear, fear will do that to you. Doubt will do that to you. Now, not, not intellectual doubt. I, we're not going to even talk about Thomas particularly here because Thomas requires a much deeper explanation than, than we have time for today. But, but, the, but the doubt that will do that to you is the doubt that comes from fear. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to us? Will we fail at what we try to do? How can I do anything? How can we together do anything? That was first church Jerusalem. And then Jesus came. First of all, they had to figure out, was it really him? And how did he identify himself? For all, for all those folks who were looking for a superhero Jesus, remember that it was his, the wounds in his hand and the wounds in his sides, side that identified who he really was. And then... The gospel writer tells us, then they rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Did that mean that the obstacles outside were gone? Absolutely not. The Sanhedrin was ready to meet on call. The Romans still had armies and legion in, in Jerusalem. The, the obstacles were still there. But as we have learned to read and hear and sing occasionally, it is the joy of the Lord is my strength. When they rejoiced in his presence, there was strength to go on. 
I know it may be difficult, but try to imagine a church that faces obstacles, be it in the first century or the 21st century. Remember a church for whom the crowds of Galilee and Palm Sunday were a distant memory. Think of a church today who's the, who, who thinks the glory days are past and gone, never to come again. Imagine a church that looks at itself and sees insufficient strength to pursue the the dream that God has placed in their hearts. Can you do that? Can you stretch your imagination to imagine a church somewhere out west that has a, a thought like that? Imagine a church closed in on itself and then Jesus came. Harry Emerson Fosdick in that great hymn that we'll sing in closing our worship today Hidden away in the second stanza has this marvelous phrase, fears and doubts too long have bound us. Free our hearts to work and praise. The good news on the Sunday after Easter is that rejoicing in the Lord will again free us to love and to serve in hopes that justice, righteousness, and peace might kiss each other. Amen.